Good morning, or afternoon, evening to all my dear brothers and sisters and all those who are in the churches watching us in this moment, in this day, and all the brothers and sisters. For example, I'm very happy because I received an email from Patagonia. So what do you think about that? Previously, there was we were saying that, well, that seems so far away. There's a saying that people say, well, they must have gone to Patagonia. Well, I tell you and I share that the church is there already. There is a group who is gathering in that place. And we give God thanks because that is the last piece of land that is left. And well, to us, it brings us great joy and much happiness because the word of the Lord is fulfilled, his promises, those promises that God made us. Um, approximately maybe 50 years ago, I believe. And I remember it was in 1978. That is when the Lord spoke to me and made me those wonderful promises. In that time, we were congregating in evangelical churches and I had no clue or idea about the spiritual gifts, the gift of prophecy or the Holy Spirit. And in that time, there were people being used by the Lord. And of course, these people, they were forbidden in their church to prophesy. They were forbidden to share revelations. So they did so in their homes. And they would invite people who, and you can have a seat. You may be seated, you as well. You may get comfortable. And these were two sisters. They, I remember one was named Dora and the other Lucila. But each of them, they went to a different denomination. And they were also evangelical churches. And they, in their homes... They would gather to pray and give freedom, free reigns to the Holy Spirit. And there, at a given moment, a person of, of the church or someone who they trusted would come. And among them, someone invited me and we went. We went there. And it was the first time where God spoke to me. And I didn't understand much. And they were, they were talking to me and saying very beautiful things. But I didn't understand, yet I believed because I was already in love with the Lord and I was reading the Bible. And so from that time, the Lord began to speak that he was going to form a church. He would say to me that I would be proceeding before many people, before multitudes, preaching to multitudes. Now, of course, for me in that time, a multitude was maybe a hundred people because we were congregating maybe only eight of us at the time. And when through revelation, when the Lord would use her to give a revelation to me, she would say, God is going to give you a great ministry. And you're going to be preaching to multitudes. I see multitudes of people that you are going to preach to. And multitudes, I thought, were a hundred. That's it. Well, today, I give God thanks. Because after all of those years have passed, more than 50 and I give the Lord thanks how God has fulfilled his word. God has not forgotten. So many years have passed and the Lord has not forgotten his wonderful promises. 
just as the brother Alvaro highlighted the glory of God, highlighted the way in which the Lord speaks and fulfills, and highlighted the brother, highlighted the existence of God. God exists. God is real because we feel it. We have experienced it. We have felt it. We are witnesses of the existence of God. And this is why we feel proud of having known this wonderful path and of having known this book as well. We feel very proud of it. And so I invite all people. And of course, I want to welcome everyone who is visiting for the first time, our, our first time guests and newcomers. Welcome, welcome to come and congregate with us. We are here before our God. And so may God bless you and all of us as well here. And so before we begin, let us sing to the Lord. Let us sing to the Lord with all of our heart, with our voices. We're going to sing hymn 149, titled, When We All Get to Heaven. And if we are faithful to the very end, meaning to the end of our days, our life, well, then we will be in heaven with the Lord, there rejoicing, thanks to the Lord. Hymn 149. Canta del amor de Cristo, ensalzada al Redentor. Tributadles, santos todos, grandes. Cuando estemos en gloria, en presencia de nuestro Redentor, a una voz la historia diremos del gran vencedor, la victoria es a las huestes del Señor. Oh, pelead con la mirada, puesta en nuestro protector. Cuando estemos en gloria, en presencia de nuestro de la cruz y caminar de triunfo en triunfo siempre firmes avanzar cuando estemos en gloria en presencia de nuestro
en la lucha, oh soldados de la fe, nuestro el triunfo, oh escuchad los clamores, viva el rey, cuando esté Glory to our God, and thanks be to the Lord. He knows that we sing with all of our heart, with all of our being, and we would love to be composers, to be able to write many songs for the Lord and to sing to him, for he deserves it. And very well, brothers and sisters, I know you're comfortable in your places now, and today, we're going to continue with Hebrews. And we are going to open in Hebrews chapter 4. And maybe, perhaps, we're going to also read Hebrews 5, some of the verses there. Hebrews 4, we'll read from verse 1 to 16. And we continue, and if we have time... We'll continue with chapter 5 because it is the continuation of the same topic that the Apostle had here in this book to teach and to highlight the deity and the importance of the person who was our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may be sure and certain, and that we be steadfast, and that we trust, and that we should not doubt ever in what we have believed, in who we have believed in, but that we should be steadfast, steadfast and firm, and continue pressing forward, believing in He who gave His life for us who became a human being and suffered the cruel punishment and many other cruelties from human beings. But he did so with pleasure to give us eternal life. And so that we not just one day have eternal life, but that today while we are living, we are enjoying peace and that we enjoy happiness of living joyfully with God. Because there are many people in the world who have many riches, but have no peace, have no happiness. And God, to us, he fills us with all of that, thanks to the Lord. Hebrews 4 verse 1 reads, and we last week, uh, last Sunday, we spoke and said that the people in antiquity had rebelled against the Lord and the Lord was angered and said they would not enter his rest. That they would not enter in the rest of God. 
he in that time had a physical rest and it was to enter the land of Canaan. But also the rest that the Lord spoke of was in the future. It was a spiritual rest. Our Lord Jesus Christ as our rest who gives us eternal life. And so in that time, the Lord was very upset and told them they will not enter my rest. And so they all died in the wilderness. And here the apostle says that we today as well, we in the gospel of the Lord, that this today has now been going on for over 2000 years. The Lord has given us a rest, a spiritual rest, which is Jesus Christ, and that we should not despise it. We should not doubt as many who maybe belittle this. They belittle who our Lord Jesus Christ is, saying he was just an ordinary man or he was just a prophet. But that is not the case. If people were to read the Bible well with all of their heart and all their soul to read the Bible, they will find that our Lord, our God, is who made himself flesh. He became a human being. And he gave himself a name. And he is who was there, giving us the example that we are able to live a righteous life as human beings. And this is why the apostle here advises that we who have believed in him continue on in this fight and that we shall not regress and turn back. Because we do want to continue enjoying this rest. We are already enjoying it with the Lord but one day in eternal life as well. So in verse four, chapter four, verse one, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. So anyone having come short of it, why? Because surely perhaps you are thinking of turning back, of regressing. Verse two. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. So today in the gospel, these good tidings of salvation have been preached to us, this spiritual rest. And to them, meaning those in the past, those people of Israel through Moses, God too announced to them a rest and happiness. But they did not want to accept it, did not want to hear it, and did not take advantage of that opportunity. Now here it says, But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Those who heard the words and promises that God had given to them through Moses. They heard, and Moses was always teaching them the law, the commandments, all the precepts. And he would say to them, if you fulfill this all word for word, then you will enter that land, that rest, that land that flows with milk and honey, and there you will enjoy and be happy. But they heard these teachings. They heard it, but had no faith. They heard, but did not believe. They did not accept in their heart 
that what Moses was preaching, teaching them was the truth. So no, they did not believe because there was no faith in them. And this is why it says, since it was not mixed with faith, that's why they did not believe. They belittled those promises, those wonderful promises. The apostle says in verse number three, but yet we today, for we who have believed, we who have believed, we do enter that rest. It says we are already in that rest. As he has said in Psalm 95, the prophecy goes, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, those who were disobedient. It says that God, having been done with his promises, he completed them before the foundation of the world. Yet, he did not keep in mind everything he had done, and he knew what was going to happen. He once again repeated to those people, knowing they would not believe. He once again repeated things to them and invited them, made the invitation to believe and trust that you shall enter that rest. But that did not happen. We today, in the gospel, the Lord invites us to enter that rest. And thanks to the fact that some of us, we have the privilege of now being in this rest. Let us be careful. Be careful. We must continue forward with firmness in this rest. Let's be careful with our spiritual life. And we also invite those who have not yet entered that rest to come and enter it. And you might say, well, how do you enter? Well, to hear the word of God, to believe, and to do God's will. And what is it to do God's will? To keep his commandments. And what are his commandments? Not to sin. What are the sins? Well, there are many. In the Bible, throughout the entire Bible, it mentions what those sins are. And there are many things that we must turn away from so that we are able to enjoy that rest and to continue on to eternity. And here, in verse number four, it reads, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. So in a certain time, God said this to Adam. In Genesis 2.2, he said to Adam, or he shared with Moses, because we know that Moses was the author of those books, those wonderful books of Genesis, the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus. Moses was the author because God revealed those things to him just as God revealed those things to the apostles and to many to write the words. They wrote all of the experiences that People who have believed in God have lived with the Lord. And so God inspires 
Through his Holy Spirit, he inspires other men, and even women too, to write. To write the great experiences. This is why here, it says, For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day, in this way. So that was there in paradise. When God spoke in Genesis 2-2, and it says, And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So it said, God, he used one day, and that day maybe is not the day we know of because the time of God is different from human beings' time. And the Bible in another place says that one day for God could be a thousand years or it could be nothing. But for us, we, we do have a certain time. God, for God, one day is the same as a thousand years. Time does not exist for him. Yet, it says when God, he made the universe, when God created all things and made man, well, in six, he did it in six days and on the seventh he rested, but it's not because he needed that rest, but it was he, it was he thinking of human beings, human beings, they need rest. They need a day of rest because they're going to be working for six and they need one day to rest. And so this is why God says that he created the universe and he created it in six days and on the seventh day he rested from all his works. And then he told human beings, well, you too, you rest because this rest has a spiritual meaning because yes, the flesh, it gets tired, but the spirit does not. And the Lord spoke of a spiritual rest for the future, a spiritual rest that would last for all eternity. And that rest is what we are trying or those who have not attained it yet, trying to attain it, and those who have it, those who have that rest, try to keep it forever until the end of our days. Because this rest is eternal life. It is to rest with God. And just as our physical flesh, our bodies get tired, and we set aside a day to rest, or maybe a couple hours to rest, we rest physically, well, likewise, the spirit, the soul, God says he will be our rest. And it's not just one day, but it will be for all eternity. He is our rest. So today in the gospel of the Lord, those who have believed, those who have learned and have had these wonderful experiences with God, we are resting in the Lord. This is why we say to people, we have peace. We have happiness. We are optimistic. We have hope. We are waiting for God to help us, for God to resolve things. God fixes everything. God heals us. We always have hope with God. We are always feeling this way, happy and joyful. So people, they see that in us. Why are you so different? Why, why is there joy and, and happiness? Why aren't you lamenting yourself? Well, we're not lamenting ourselves because we're resting. Glory to our God. We have believed in the Lord and we are here walking in the Lord's path. And in verse number five, in Psalm 95, it once again repeats through the psalmist or the prophet. He says again in this place, they shall not enter my rest, but he spoke of those who were disobedient, of the disobedient of those who are unbelieving. The Lord always says the same things. They shall not enter my rest. Verse six 
since therefore it remains that some must enter it. So there are still some that must enter it. And who are they? They are those who have not yet converted, have not heard the gospel of the Lord. They have not had the opportunity to hear God's word. They are those who are yet to enter. And those to whom it was first preached, which was the people in antiquity, did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And it says in verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, the rest that God had promised through David, because remember, in Psalms, King David as a prophet, though he was king, he was a prophet too. And through him, God was speaking of a rest and speaking of today. Now, he wasn't speaking of yesterday, but today in this rest. Yet, how long had it passed since the people disobeyed and they perished in the wilderness? When Moses was shepherding them, and then came Joshua. And through Joshua's hand, the new generation entered into the land of Canaan. And that truly was not the true rest that God was speaking of through the mouth of David. But the Lord, through King David's mouth, when we read Psalms, he was speaking of this today and of a spiritual rest, which is Jesus Christ. And this is why here in verse 8, for if Joshua, in that time when he entered that promised land, had he had given them that rest, then King David in Psalms, he would not be speaking of another day, saying, today if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as those did in antiquity who were unbelieving and lost the blessing. This is highlighting, the apostle is highlighting and referring to our Lord Jesus Christ, his gospel, the good tidings of salvation. And that in no way was he referring to material, physical things like Joshua did of entering the land of Canaan with the new people. That was not the rest because God was not speaking of material things, but it was spiritual but the people in that time, God could not speak to them in that spiritual terminology because he would speak to them physically and literally, but they did not believe. Well, then they would definitely not believe if he spoke to them in a symbolic or spiritual way. Now today in the gospel of the Lord, with the help of the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit has remained and stayed with us, since that time, it's been over 2,000 years, and it was by the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit is the one in charge of clarifying the doctrine, teaching to clarify the Bible, to clarify all of these things concerning the rest and concerning Jesus Christ and concerning his coming, why he came and what it is that we are doing or will do to Enter that eternal life and that perfect 
everlasting rest. And that truly it is Jesus Christ, the only one, the only way. He is the only one who saves, for there is no other way. There is no other religion that can offer salvation and eternal life. Only that religion in which the Holy Spirit of God is manifesting himself and with his precious spiritual gifts. With his spiritual gifts and the manifestation of God, he will convince all men and women that that is the truth and the reality where God manifests himself. So this is why the Lord said his works by their fruits and by their works, they shall be known. They shall know who is who and who are the children of God? Who are those followers? Who are those who preach the word, the true word of God? And many religions who have cast down the person who was Jesus Christ and his deity well, they do so out of their stubbornness and foolishness because it may be profit. We don't know why they do it, but they never do it with a sincere heart. Because if a man or a woman is sincere, they seek the true living God in any place of the world. They cry out and say, I want to find the true God because I want to submit to him. God, God will not make himself a, a stranger or foreign to that cry and the feelings that these people have. But there, there is the Lord saying, yes, you have found me. Find me for you will find me. Seek me and you will find me. And so God is merciful. He is the only way. There is only one way. There is only one way. But yes, the heart, your heart should be sincere and you should long and desire for the truth. Desire and long to love God above all things, so that in that way, God may manifest himself in your life. So the apostle is highlighting the person in that true rest, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is that true rest, there is no other. Among thousands of religions, there is no other, there is only one. And it says in verse number 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore, those who are believers, those who have believed in the Lord, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So let us aim to enter. And those who believe they have entered already, well, let us continue in that rest. Verse number 12. For the word of God is living and powerful. So you see here what I said concerning the wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. The work the Holy Spirit has been doing for over 2,000 years. It is here in verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. This is true. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And we're not talking about this book literally. We're not talking about the Bible literally. The Bible. The Bible is the word of God that is written. But here, we're speaking of 
the living word and powerful word of God, of something that is supernatural, that covers us. And this is why it says the word of God. What word of God? His prophetic word. Our God in antiquity spoke to Abraham and said to him, he said, well, if it wasn't Abraham, then please excuse me, but it was to one of the patriarchs. He spoke in antiquity and said, I will manifest myself through prophets. And to the prophets, I will speak in visions, dreams, and prophecy. It is the only way in which I will speak to the prophets. And now I remember he spoke to Moses and he said to them, and to you, Moses, I will speak face to face. But to the rest of the prophets, I will manifest myself through prophecy, I repeat, by visions and through dreams. That is what we call the word of God. This is what this is saying here. For the word of God is living and powerful. The word of God in prophecy. The word of God in dreams. The word of God in visions. It says it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, I'm sure some of you may have had the experience that when you came here for the first time or when you had the opportunity to receive your first prophecy, I'm sure you cried. Some of you cried. Did you? I'm sure. The Holy Spirit makes me cry a lot. I cry a lot through the Holy Spirit. He makes me cry. He is the only one that makes me cry. Because it says the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And when the Holy Spirit speaks, when a person receives prophecy and the Holy Spirit is the one speaking to them, he speaks things about their private life, I'm sure. Something that they did or something that they feel. They say you have lived sad. You have lived a very uh, sad life. You have not known what happiness is. Perhaps he says that. And that person breaks down and cries. This person breaks down and cries and wants to cry. They want to scream. But maybe they're ashamed because everyone is looking at them. But this is what we call that two-edged sword. It pierces. It says here, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Glory to our God. This is true. It discerns thoughts. You spend time thinking and thinking to harm other people. And you spend time thinking and thinking how you want to make a lot of money and make yourself rich. And you go about thinking and thinking that you want to abandon your family, you want to be irresponsible, whatever it is, whatever you think, the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, this rest that is Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit he sent and left us, is who does this. 
The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And he speaks to a person the secrets of their heart and the intentions, be them good or bad, he says what they are. Their thoughts, be them good or bad, he says what they are. Like when a woman arrived for the first time, she was a first-time guest, and she thought about having an abortion. She was pregnant and wanted to have an abortion. She did not want to have that child. And she came by coincidence, and when she received prophecy, when God spoke to her, because the word of God is living, like a two-edged uh, two sword, he spoke and said to her, do not do what you plan on doing tomorrow. Do not do it. Because what is in your womb is a male child, and that male child is who is going to support you in your life and in your elderly years. That is what the Spirit of God said. And that was the word of God that is living and powerful and is sharper than any two-edged sword. This woman started crying and repented and did not go to have that abortion. She had her child, her son, and I saw their life going about because this person continued in the church and her son truly became that person who supported her in her elderly years and became ill. Glory to the Lord. That is what this verse means. Hebrews 4.12. So that you may memorize it and keep it in your heart and in your mind. That the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing, it says. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. And is discerner of the thoughts. People's thoughts and the intents people have. He speaks the depth of your heart. That is the word of God. And that is what convinced me the first time when that woman, that sister in her home, prayed for me and gave me that prophecy, spoke to me of my future. And so, my God, here the Lord has me before his presence. The Lord has me here enjoying this rest. And I wait on the Lord for me to continue on this way until my death, so that I may be there with my Lord. Because to live with God is the best thing in the world. And in verse number 13, and there is no creature hidden from his sight. It says there is no creature hidden from his sight, meaning that God, he knows everything. He is knowledgeable of all the things that are in his presence. There is nothing that is hidden to God. Nothing is hidden and nothing is impossible for God. Blessed is the Lord. It says, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him. Him to whom we must give account, meaning our Father God. And so up to here, this then continues to highlight this rest, Jesus Christ. He is our rest. He is our Sabbath. We are resting in him. But as we are flesh and we're physical, we do need a day of rest, right? 
There are people who work every day. That's not bad. It's not a sin. It's not bad or good. But there are people who do like to rest, and they can rest maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Friday or Sunday, any day. It doesn't need to be a specific day like on a Saturday because remember, that Saturday or the Sabbath, that was the spiritual rest, which is Jesus Christ. Therefore, we no longer give importance to days, those physical days, but our rest is Christ. We rest in him. But we also maybe want to rest if maybe someone wants to go on vacation, fine. You take your vacation and you rest. That's normal. Your physical body does get tired. That spiritual body, though, does not get tired, and our rest is Christ. In verse 14, the apostle says, Seeing then that keeping in mind everything that we have just spoken and heard, or everything that we have just examined in the Lord and analyzed, it says there, seeing then that we have a great high priest. Now, he is now saying that this rest is that great high priest as well. He is the rest, he is the great high priest, he is the great prophet. He is the deliverer, the savior, the precursor, the giver of life. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. So let us hold fast to this salvation that we have attained, that we have learned, and that we have heard, and here we are. And now, this becomes in something as if it were a duty or a constant routine. Let's remember the prophet or the priests had to minister. Well, we too. We have to minister for God all of the time. Praise God, glorify Him, give Him thanks, pray, sing to Him, read the Bible to learn more and more of Him. That is the ministry, that is a work, that is the function that we must carry out. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Now, the priests, they were there to minister and also to watch over the people. And here, it says that this high priest, Jesus Christ, that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And why? Because he made himself a human being. Because he made himself like any ordinary man, and he suffered. He suffered all of the different needs, and he suffered humiliation and insults, slander, Blasphemy, he suffered it all in order to be considerate of us human beings. And this is why it says that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. And I'm not talking about those weaknesses being sin. And well, maybe in a certain way, the weakness or the tendency of the flesh to do something evil in the sight of God 
But there are also, aside from sins, there are weaknesses and failures in human beings that our God came or comes in to sympathize of us and to help us because he was a human being. In the Gospels, we read that it says that the Lord, he wept when he saw Jerusalem and he knew what was going to happen later on. It says he wept of sadness, of sorrow in knowing what would happen to that city later on. And it says that he also had sympathy of people. He felt compassion. And it also says that he felt hunger because he lived as a human being in order to sympathize of us when we have hunger or when we feel cold or we feel sad or bitterness or pain. So he sympathizes with us, thanks be to our God. And it says, although he too, he has sympathized with our weaknesses, but was also he was tempted by the enemy. And all for what? Because he knew the human beings. We are tempted or we are tested by the enemy that we have. And as this enemy sometimes is stronger than we are, because he is spirit. So people fall. People give up. They fail. They fall into the weakness and they suffer. It says this is why the Lord, he took on from that human side, he took on that example to live it and to sympathize with us. And so he also he was tempted and tested by the enemy, but he overcame with doctrine, with knowledge of God's word. He set that example for us, that teaching. He said, with doctrine and with the knowledge of God, you overcome the enemy. This is why we must constantly be reading the Bible and we must pay great attention to the teachings and explanations to the Bible studies, to all of the doctrine God gives us, we must pay great attention to memorize it and keep it in our heart. And in this way, when the devil tempts us or tests us, we, with doctrine and with knowledge, we will defeat the enemy because we will be able to give the adequate answers. And we too will analyze and be conscious of what God spoke to me. What are the promises God has made me? What does he have in store for me so that I can say to the enemy, well, no, you are a liar. Because you are showing me a path and God is telling me about something different. And I trust in what God has said. And so the enemy, he will then not be able to handle us. And so, of course, knowledge and doctrine and much sincerity and love for God, because those who do not love God enough, well, the devil, the enemy, comes and tempts and tests them, and that person falls. In verse 16, it says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us come, therefore. Let us believe and continue on in the path of the Lord. Let us not turn back. Let us continue moving forward. That throne of grace 
It is to abide in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is to abide in that rest. It is to enjoy that great high priest that is the throne of grace. It is to be in the presence of God all the time, doing what is good, being upright and righteous in the Lord. And it says, Let us then come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy, that mercy from God, and find grace, find grace before him, so that we are able to then receive the help the help and aid that we need at any time or any moment in which the enemy tests us or tempts us. And so we, being in that throne of grace, being in that rest, being with God, well then the Lord, he raises his hand and gives us strength. He gives us vigor. He picks us up and strengthens us and says, Do not fear. I am with you. Press on. I will help you. That is what our God says. And so, brothers and sisters, and our first-time guests and newcomers, I invite you to not go. Do not leave that rest. Do not retreat from that throne of grace, but continue on and seek God. Believe in him. Trust in him. Cry out to him in any place of the world, wherever you are. Ask God with all of your heart, and he is there ready to help you, to bless you, and he will come to your aid. And so for today, we're going to stop the sermon here, and we'll continue it. And we're going to pray to God. We're going to pray to our Father. With all of our heart, we're going to ask, and you, if you are ill, or if you have family members that are ill, people who are, or who have disabilities, people that are maybe in a state of coma, in a, vegeta a vegetative state, ask God. Mention that loved one by their first and last name who is suffering. And the Lord will remember you, and he will hear you. Also, if maybe you're a victim of witchcraft and sorcery of curses, cry out to the Lord and place this in his presence. All disease, whatever it is, mention it, describe it to the Lord. That he heal you and deliver you, cleanse you. But do so, and say so with your heart with sincerity, desiring to please our God and that God be the one who is in first place in our life. So let us pray. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Father, we are before your presence to give you thanks. Thank you, Lord, for all of these years that we have lived and enjoyed your word and promises. We have seen your mighty hand manifest itself in many people, perhaps in thousands. And many have received your blessings and your wonders and deeds, miracles we have received from your mighty hand. All sorts of blessings, spiritual and material, Heavenly Father, 
We have been enjoying your wonderful, your wonderful promises. And how many times, Lord, you give visions and dreams and we don't understand. And sometimes when they fulfill, that's when we understand. But either way, we enjoy, enjoy those experiences. When you speak to us through prophecy, there are many things at times that we cannot understand or interpret, but we continue waiting in you. And we continue trusting that you will teach us with time. And that the experiences in time will also make us more mature to understand and comprehend many things concerning the heavenly kingdom. But we are happy. We are happy, Lord, believing in your word. And we are always waiting on your mercy and love, waiting on an answer and for you to act in our lives. And the enemy, he strikes us with so many diseases and witchcraft, sorcery and curses. But we trust that you, at any time, will remember us and deliver us and cleanse us. You will help us, Lord. We always trust in you. We love you, Lord. We praise you, give you the honor and the glory. Thank you, Lord, for all of your goods that we receive. The honor is for you. We give you all praise, Lord, because yours is the kingdom, the glory and power, and your mercy is forever. Thank you, my Father. And stretch out your mighty hand and bless, bless all of those people who are listening, who are watching this sermon, and who are moved, and who feel in their hearts the desire, the burning desire to continue in your path and serve you. Lord, bless all those who cry out to you and ask, those who are in need and suffer, those who weep. May you dry their tears and give them blessings, Father. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, I ask all of this, all the glory be to you now and evermore. Amen. Glory to the Lord. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí. Mi alma te alaba. Mi Mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí. Yo sé que estás aquí, Señor, yo sé que estás aquí, yo sé que estás aquí, Señor. Yo sé que estás aquí, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, mi alma te alaba, porque sé que estás aquí. Aquí. 
how many believe the Lord is here? Here in our heart. Glory to our Lord. May the Lord bless you. And many kisses for the children. And a big hug to you all and all of the brothers and sisters here with me. Thank you very much. God bless you. And until next time, thank you.